Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 88th program in this series. In this program, I'm beginning in John chapter 16. What's going on is that Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. He is explaining to them that he wants them to continue to live in obedience to the law, to continue to obey the commandments of God, because that is the covenant that is in effect. While they are doing this, what is about to happen is that the Holy Spirit is going to be given to them. Jesus explains to them that this is about to happen. Now, when this happens, the people are going to be resurrected from the dead spiritually, in a similar way that Adam and Eve were made spiritually alive when the Holy Spirit was given to them. It's similar. But in accordance with the law of sin and death that was established with Adam and Eve, the next time they would sin would be an opportunity for the Holy Spirit of God to depart from within them in the same way that the Holy Spirit departed from within Adam and Eve. This is why it was necessary for Jesus to die for all sin, for the sin of the world, to resolve the sin issue between God and mankind entirely, and to do so in a way that it would be once for all. And this is what Jesus is about to accomplish. But he's having this conversation with the disciples. He tells them what he wants them to do now. He tells them that there's going to be a change coming very soon. That change will be the invocation of the new covenant, and that will be a new definition of the relationship between God and humanity, between God and the disciples. But then Jesus decides to explain to them how other people are going to relate to them. And that's what I was explaining in the previous program at the end of John chapter 15, that Jesus was telling the disciples what was going to happen next in terms of their relationship with the other people, that the other people are going to hate them for similar reasons as to why they hated Jesus, that this should not be too much of a surprise when this happens. He's letting them know, he's giving them this notification that this is going to take place. And in the midst of that, he encourages them to love one another. And so this is what I was explaining in the previous program. Now, continuing on into John chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. So Jesus explains to them, look, there are people who are going to hate you. They're going to be mean to you. They're going to put you out of the congregations. And this is going to happen 
because they don't know God. He wants the disciples to know this and to understand this so that they don't stumble, so that they're not disoriented by what will take place. So it's not too much of a surprise, and so that they understand also that these people just don't know God. And sometimes you have to take that into consideration, especially when you're in the midst of a conflict with someone and they're acting like they don't know the Lord at all. Well, it's probable that they don't know the Lord at all and that this is an opportunity to expose that. It could very well be the case. It could also be the case that they are just having a momentary experience in their life, that they are having trouble, they're having difficulty, They don't know how to solve the conflict or the problems that they're being confronted with. And so they express themselves in a way that would show that they don't know the Lord, but they do. It's just a moment in time, in which case give them a few days and see how they do a little bit later or a few weeks or maybe even a few months. And people can recover. They can adjust once those fleshly issues work themselves out. Then people can often readjust and continue their pursuit of knowing God and of receiving what God has for them so that they can live their lives in a better way. It is good to take this into consideration. But Jesus tells his disciples right here that these people are going to put them out of the synagogues. That's in verse 2. They will put you out of the synagogues. Why? Why would they tell the disciples to leave? Well, it could be due to their concern of job security. The religious leaders wanted Jesus to be murdered because they were concerned about the Romans taking away their place or their nation, and they were conspiring with one another in the sense that they thought that they were going to be the saviors of the people. Well, if the disciples are a part of the congregation and they are proclaiming the same things that Jesus was proclaiming, the religious leaders could consider this to be a risk, that this could be a problem, that the disciples would be putting them at risk in the sense that they might lose their place. They might lose their political stability because the Romans or someone else might come in and consider these disciples to be people who are going to stir up the same kinds of problems that Jesus was stirring up, that there could be the same kinds of conflicts. These are problems that the religious leadership might want to solve just by getting rid of the disciples. There was the risk that the people would start to believe the things that the disciples were saying. And if a majority of the people embraced what the disciples were saying, then the religious leaders could just lose their position there at the synagogue because the people don't want to hear from them anymore. They want to hear from the disciples now. And there may be no political risk or consequences related to that at all. It could just simply be a matter of the religious leaders losing their place of authority, their place of respect, their place of honor, because the people believe something else now. So these are some of the issues, some of the risks. But continuing in verse 2, John chapter 16, verse 2, that they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. There could be people 
who were going to commit murder because they felt that this was something that would be good for God, that they're offering God a service. Now, if you can recall the conspiracy that was taking place between the chief priests, the high priest, and the Pharisees after Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead, there's no mention about doing God a service. They didn't say that they were going to murder Jesus because this is good for God or because they felt that God would hold it against them if they didn't murder Jesus. They didn't say that. Some of them might have thought that, but that's not what we have in the historical record. And so when Jesus says this in John chapter 16, verse 2, it could very well be that the religious leaders don't think this way at all, but that there were other people who might think this way, that some of the people who are not considered to be part of the leadership might do this because they really are that poorly informed. They are not very well educated when it comes to the issues related to the law, and they might think, well, this is a person who seems to be against God. How about if I murder this person, and so now God will like me? There could very well be people like that. Or they could genuinely have the conviction that it is important for them to murder people who they think are against God, that they are really performing a service for God. There have been some times in history since this time period when Jesus was talking with his disciples, there have been a few occasions in history when there were religious wars, when there were people who esteemed themselves as being Christians or otherwise, who have engaged in murder, believing that they were doing this for God. So Jesus is telling his disciples that there will probably be some people who will relate to them in this way, but that doesn't mean all of the people who are trying to kill them are thinking in these terms. For example, in the previous program, I mentioned that the pride of an individual is a serious issue, that people have an enormous amount of pride. They express it in different ways. But this is part of the sinful nature of humanity, an enormous amount of pride that is, at its core, it's an expression of self-importance that I am important, I am valuable. And a person could very well be important. They could be considered to be valuable if they are making contributions to society in a way that really is valuable to society. But if they're not, even though they might think they are, if they're not, if they're not really productive members of society producing goods and services that people genuinely need, if they're not, then their self-importance, their pride, will have to be fulfilled in other ways besides legitimate exchanges of goods and services and productivity in the world that they are a part of. Their pride is going to have to be asserted in other ways. And in the previous message, I explained that hating others is one way that a person can assert their pride and that they might look for a group of people who hate someone 
or who hate a certain kind of person. And they might just hate that person also or hate those kinds of people also just so that they can be accepted by the team, by the group. I would say this is a lot more common than finding someone who has some deep conviction that to kill someone in the name of God is good. It's more likely that you'll find people who don't really have convictions at all, but they live this way. They treat people this way. They relate to people this way. They cause harm to other people because it's an opportunity for them to build up their personal pride. And so the disciples will likely encounter more of this than they will encounter people who are putting them out of the synagogue because they really do have a deep conviction, a deep religious conviction about what is true and what is not true, or what would God want them to do or what would God not want them to do, that that's not necessarily going to be the majority of the people, that the majority of the people will probably be motivated for other reasons. And the pride issue is a huge issue. I described this also in the previous program in the context of stepping on someone else in order to elevate yourself, that the religious people will compare themselves with the disciples and say, well, we are better than they are, or we are going to look for something that we don't like about these people so that we can exaggerate it, so that we can talk about it a lot. We can say that they don't really obey the commandments like we think they should. We do, but not them. And so we are better than they are. It's a way of stepping on these folks in order to elevate themselves. And this is an expression of pride. And I would expect the disciples would experience a lot of this in the coming years. Now, in our own lives, we see this all the time. Even though we may not notice it, it's everywhere. This is a standard way for people to relate to one another. At the core of this relational style, this style of relating to people, of finding ways to step on them to elevate yourself, the core of this has to do with a belief of what is right and wrong, a belief about what is good and evil. For example, you may know someone who spends a lot of time talking about things that are wrong. People who do things that are wrong. They say, this isn't right. The right way to do this would be this way. This person is not a good person because of this or that. And these people tend to spend a lot of effort, a lot of time talking about other people to say negative things about other people. And what is that? What for? Why? What's the big deal? Don't they have better things to do with their life? And you know what? They might not. They might not have better things to do with their life besides talk about someone else in a negative way. And what is the purpose of this? The purpose of this is about stepping on someone else to elevate themselves. And at the core of this is a standard of good and evil. It is a religion. It is a belief of what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. 
They have to have that in order to say that someone is wrong or to say that someone is bad. They have to have a standard. They have to have, in effect, a religion. And you will find that everyone has got their own belief, their own standard, their own religion. Even if they may claim that they do not believe in a God at all, they may say that they are not religious at all. But they are. They are very religious. They are religious according to their own system of law. And they will judge others according to their own system of law so that they can compare themselves with other people, elevate themselves as they put down other people. It's all about pride. That's what it is. And people are going to relate to you in this way. You'll find that a lot of people who say that they do not acknowledge the existence of God at all, or maybe they still do to some extent, but you'll find that a lot of people will look for Christians. They will look for you. They will look for you as a person who says that you want to be good, that you want to be holy. Oh, they will want you in their life because they will look for whatever you may do that could be wrong, that could be inadequate, because you are a special person in their lives. If they can say that there's something wrong with you, well, then their pride can be elevated even more than someone who probably doesn't care too much about the things of faith and righteousness and the living God and Jesus anyway. But you can be a really good target. I can speak about this from my own personal life just as a testimony to some of these kinds of circumstances. For example, in my own life, I've had lots of opportunities to fail. I have a lot of failure in my life. I have made a lot of bad decisions for myself. I have suffered the consequences of those bad decisions. I have suffered consequences from other people's bad decisions. I've had a lot of circumstances in my life when I have been at what you would call a low point. A low point in my life when I am dealing and struggling with all kinds of problems and difficulties. And when I reflect back on those times that I have had that would be considered to be low points in my lifetime, I can see how I have attracted a lot of new people in my life who have wanted to have some kind of relationship with me, who have wanted to be a part of my life. And one of the reasons why I will attract people like that into my life during these low points in my life experience is because I provide them with an opportunity to look good. I make them look good. I can feed their pride because they can look at me and they can say to themselves, well, you know, I'm not dealing with these kinds of problems like Aaron is. I don't have those kinds of problems, and so I am obviously more holy and more righteous, and I'm a better person than he is, and so I need to hang out with him a lot because I feel good about myself. When I look at the low points that I've had in my life experience, I have attracted a lot of people like this. And then sure enough, when the time comes that I overcome these issues, when I get past these conflicts and get past these problems, Sometimes greater things result from what I endured, from what I went through. 
I can become a better person than who I was once before? Well, this becomes a problem for those who are now close to me because they don't have the same opportunity to assert their pride like they could before. I've overcome those issues. I've gotten past those issues. Greater things have resulted. And this is a problem for those who are a part of my life because now I'm going to start to make them look bad. Now I'm the one who would be elevated according to their law, according to their standards, their beliefs, their religion. For some reason, I am now looking better than they are. So what do they do? They either go away or they step up the issue a little bit more. If their pride is such that they cannot just walk away, well, they're going to look for ways that they can condemn me. They're going to look for ways that they can create conflict and problems in my life and so that they can say once again, ah, you see, Aaron's not so good. We are, I am, but he is not. And I have had a lot of issues like this with other people who have worked harder and harder to find negative things about me or to create problems that they can then invent negative things about me or tell lies about me. Why? Because they're desperate to try to hang on to their personal pride. And there have been some times when it got to be so bad that they would do things in order to intentionally cause harm in my life. And you might wonder, that's really taking it up a notch. Why go through all of that just because a person feels that they are looking bad? Why intentionally go to the point of causing harm? Not necessarily murdering me, but maybe murdering my character. Or maybe go so far as to steal things or to break things, to be excessively dishonest, to cause all kinds of conflicts and problems, what is that about? At that point, it becomes an expression of revenge. Revenge for causing them to look bad. Now, I can understand if you have not had anybody in your life like that, and if you haven't, I want you to know that I will probably struggle with envy towards you. But for myself... This has happened several times, and I expect in the coming years when I have new problems and new conflicts and new difficulties in my life, that there will be more people in my life like this. But revenge for making someone look bad is something that I have experienced in my life on occasion. And for people like this, it can be helpful to understand that the feelings that a person gets when they execute revenge the deep feelings that they have are similar to the feelings of accomplishing something productive. That if they actually did something useful, if they really did contribute something to society, that the feelings are similar to being productive and useful to also engaging in revenge. That the biochemistry within a person, the hormonal responses, the feelings that a person gets are similar And this is helpful to understand how someone could possibly be motivated to such an extent that they would commit murder thinking that they were doing God a service. It's similar. These are similar dynamics. 
that go on in relationships with people, and it can be helpful to understand that there simply are some people in the world like this. So Jesus warns the disciples about people like this. And while you might be fortunate to never encounter people like this in your own personal life, it is probable that you will have relationships with other people who have had struggles like this or who may encounter struggles like this in the future. So how did Jesus encourage his disciples in verse 4? But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them, and these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. What he's saying is, is that now he's leaving in a certain way, and their life is going to change. And he wants them to be reasonably prepared for the changes that they are going to experience very soon. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 88th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, which is a follow-up to what Jesus was telling his disciples at the end of John chapter 15. He was telling his disciples that they were about to experience some problems, some difficulties. They were going to have some tribulation in their life from the people who are around them, from those who are in the world. And in this case, that would refer to the people who are there in the land of Israel, those people who will not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, that the disciples are going to experience some problems and conflicts with these people. And so in this program, I spent time talking about why people might be motivated to hate or to want to cause harm to someone else because they believe in Jesus or because they are trying to live a holy and righteous life, that it has to do with the struggles that people have with their own personal pride. And I will continue with this in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net